Hey y'all, welcome back to the podcast. Or if this is your first time in these parts, welcome. Please try the peanut butter. It's natural. Thank you for listening. My name is Ian Castleberry. I'm a writer, editor, and podcaster. We're going to do something slightly different here because the week kind of got away from me. Our previous episode was posted on Wednesday, a day later than I wanted, and I wasn't able to put together a full podcast for Friday. Maybe it's not a big deal to you, but I want to be on a Tuesday-Friday schedule. I really want to try hard to stick to that. I don't want to jinx anything, but I'm currently in talks about a writing job, and if I get it, I might have a little bit less time to podcast. But I might not get it. Regardless, I want to make sure I stick to a schedule so everything is in its right place on a given week. We'll be back on track next week. But I did record the audio from my Thursday appearance on Asheville's Y Sports Radio. As you'll hear, though, I wasn't able to get to Wednesday's spot. So we'll run that, and that'll pretty much be this episode. Honestly, when we relaunched the podcast with these sports radio segments, we knew there would probably be some weeks when we'd go radio only. So here we are. If you're not as big a fan of these radio segments or when we're sports heavy, I'm sorry about that. Although, if that's the case, you might not be a huge fan of the podcast in general, because the radio stuff is a big part of each show, and we love talking sports. Especially in October, when all four major professional American sports, football, baseball, basketball, and hockey, are being played. Five major sports if you count college football. Let us know if that's the case at thepodcast at gmail.com, at the podcast on Facebook and Twitter, or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Operators are standing by, ready to take your call. Okay, let's do this. supposed to have two radio clips for this episode, but I wasn't able to record Wednesday's appearance on Y Sports Radio. Is all of this important? No, but you're going to hear about it because I have a microphone in front of me and I'm yammering. After getting some work done in the morning, there was just enough time in the afternoon for me to get to the gym before my radio call. And I had to get that workout in because I am just that dedicated to the cause, man. Uncle Ian needs to push and pull heavy things for his health at some point during the day. But I just couldn't get back to my computer to record the audio in time. I was close. When Jordan DeVere called from the station, I was five minutes from my place. Don't worry, I was talking hands-free. Oh well, it was a great segment that you would have enjoyed. We're probably going to send it to the National Radio Hall of Fame. There's not a Sports Talk Radio Hall of Fame, is there? I know there's a Sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame, which I know damn well I will only ever see as a visitor. Oh wait, I didn't make a recording of it. Well, maybe Jordan did back at the WISE studios. Anyway, if you're curious, we discussed the Washington Nationals' Game 1 win over the Houston Astros in the World Series and how crucial a player 20-year-old Juan Soto has become for the Nats. This team continues to defy expectations. Beating Garrett Cole, who has been nearly unhittable this postseason, is the latest example. Unfortunately, we also had to dive into this ugly situation with the Houston Astros and the conduct of assistant general manager Brandon Taubman. 
Taubman, who is now a former assistant general manager, unleashed an unprovoked, extremely hostile outburst toward three female reporters in the Astros clubhouse. In response to concern, one had expressed over Houston acquiring reliever Roberto Osuna, who had been charged with domestic assault and suspended by Major League Baseball for 75 games in 2018. Sports Illustrated Stephanie Epstein reported the incident, and rightfully so, because it was so uncalled for and unhinged, really. Taubman and the reporters weren't near Osuna's locker. He wasn't asked a question about Osuna. There was really only one reason to yell at these reporters about Osuna. And again, one of them has been quite outspoken about domestic violence. Though Taubman claims he was supporting a player who had given up a home run that could have resulted in the Astros losing before they rallied. The Astros made the situation worse by initially attacking the Sports Illustrated story, saying that what Epstein reported wasn't true. But then four other reporters in the clubhouse confirmed the story, and NPR's David Fulkenflick reported that sources told him that Taubman was specifically targeting the reporter who was outspoken about domestic violence, wearing a purple bracelet to raise awareness and tweeting information on domestic violence hotlines when Asuna appeared in games. Taubman himself attempted a public apology, but his sincerity had to be seriously questioned after including, quote, I am sorry if anyone was offended by my actions, end quote. Yeah, that's not a real apology, and anybody should know that in our public relations conscious culture. As Epstein's SI colleague Jenny Vrentes tweeted, an apology shouldn't include the word if. It's just a disastrous situation from a public relations standpoint, and really a human relations standpoint in terms of the Astros creating a climate in which all of this somehow seemed all right in their organization. As Pat Ryan and I briefly discussed in Thursday's Why Sports Radio segment, the Astros fired Taubman, which was really the only acceptable option, and issued a statement with the apology and contrite tone that should have been the team's stance from the start. I don't believe this is over for the Astros, though, because their combative approach to the media creates hostility, and Major League Baseball has to address that. But football was the main subject of Thursday's spot, and the topics were skewed toward an Ian Castleberry view with Tom Brady, Jim Harbaugh, and the Detroit Lions among our topics. We also talked about Cam Newton and whether or not the Carolina Panthers could trade their franchise quarterback, and a handful of storylines to watch during Week 8 in the NFL. be pulling double duty today we really appreciate ian joining us ian castleberry of course uh with our uh, nfl gold nuggets feature presented by david creaseman and dc creaseman jewelers ian getting ready for double dip in this hour how you doing bud that's right no i'm, I'm doing push-ups you know trying to uh, you know <laughs> yeah getting that little extra training in huh that's right that's oh right. dude as anyone who, who yeah knows me or sees me you know yeah i am yeah Come on, dude. You're, you're, you're a sexy beast. You and I together at the gym would, would be turning heads, I can tell you that. Um, you know, turning heads, actually, they'd be running the other way, but I, 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 you know what I'm talking about. Um, by the way, uh, this is interesting. So rumors, Ian, are swirling that Tom Brady is ready to bail out of New England after his contract is up uh, following this season. Now, it's hard to believe, but Brady isn't shooting it down. Um, he, he's kind of avoiding it, uh, quite frankly. So what, what did you feel on, on his future beyond this season up in Foxborough? 
I think he's, uh, this has been a concern for the Patriots, uh, or at least people around the Patriots for a while, that I think Tom Brady is reaching the point where he's thinking about life after football. And, you know, at 42 years old and, and the end of his contract, I think that's uh, something that to naturally think about. Um, another thing to consider is, uh, you know, the Patriots, they're 7-0, and but t- this is not vintage Tom Brady. Uh, he is uh, completing uh, 66% of his passes, uh, but he's, I, I think he hates getting hit more than ever. I mean, I don't think any quarterback likes getting hit, but uh, at his age and at this point of his career, I, I think he really seems to uh, show a distaste for him. Buffalo really roughed him up uh, a couple of weeks ago. I, I think that's as bad as he's looked in recent years. And I think it called into question just how much more he wants to do this. He is signed for next season. I don't know if he's officially signed that deal yet. He's set to be paid $30 million. So there's certainly a heavy, heavy incentive for him to come back and play one more season. But I don't think he's going to play beyond 2020 if he does indeed decide to play next year. That was the next question. It's like, all right, is Tom just looking to try something different outside of New England, much like Jerry Rice did years with the Niners, played his final year with the Raiders, um, just trying to get the feel on that. But I, I agree. I think Tom's going to – I really think he's leaning towards retirement. Um, we're starting to see just a little slippage. But who? what team would not love to have their quarterback completing 66% uh, of, of his passes? So, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's one way or another. Tom may be slowing down, but he's still a great quarterback. But he's got to be looking at, again, the future. I mean, this guy's got there's millions of dollars just waiting for him away from the field once he decides uh, to retire we'll see where it goes Go ahead, and, and the idea that he would play for another team i think is nonsense i mean if he was going to play one more year why wouldn't you play for the patriots you know unless you just wanted to get away from belichick and the environment i mean what is he going to go to uh, you know cincinnati and play he's not going to you know he grew up uh, in the bay area uh, he's not going to play for the san francisco 49ers his old backup jimmy garoppolo uh, has that job so if he's going to play uh, it's going to be for the patriots the question is whether or not he wants to play one more year well what's interesting too you bring up garoppolo then there's jacoby Brissett. i mean it's it seems like the patriots were not they had to have been at least belichick had to be talking to brady about this like i mean they trade away these two quarterbacks uh Brissett's doing very well uh in indianapolis stepping in for the now retired andrew luck and you know garoppolo's uh, getting footing in in san francisco um you kind of wonder what the backup plan for is is for new england if brady does not come back in you think to go for a trade i cannot see belichick drafting a quarterback um and, and expecting with the idea to start the season um, that's going to be interesting. I just wonder how much planning they've done uh, for life after. I, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, they did draft Jared Stidham uh, from Auburn uh, last year. Uh, I don't know how happy they are uh, with his development. I think they released uh, him. Didn't they release him? Didn't he have like he had like a really? Did they release Stidham? I want to. I want to say had a really crappy game, and and uh, he went in, filled in for Brady, threw like an interception, and. I'll, I'll check on that, but I thought they might have may have already cut him. But I'll, I'll check on that before I ruin his NFL career on there. But, <laughs> but yeah, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you see you know uh, the, the trade deadline is uh, this Tuesday. Um, I don't. I'm not saying that they would make a, a deal for someone to replace Tom Brady right now. But you know, when you hear names like Marcus Mariota, for instance. Uh, dangled out there that his career is probably done in Tennessee. Imagine Marcus Mariota uh, playing uh, for the New England Patriots, maybe, uh, you know, sitting behind Tom Brady for one year and learning their system, and then he's ready to go in 2021. 
by the way, it, I don't think it was uh, Stidham. I think it was um, the kid last year that they drafted Eddings, uh, the LSU guy. Um, I don't know. I'm, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but still, though, you know, Stidham's not going to be the guy that's going to come in and, and take over. But, you know, it's funny. You mentioned a guy like Mariota. Who's to say Belichick can't get a hold of Mariota and make him a better quarterback? Or or one of those, like even like a Jameis Winston, if, if Tampa Bay decided, you know what, he's not our guy. We're going to be moving for, you know, moving on with someone else. Who's to say? Uh, although the success rate, you know, Josh Gordon is on IR with New England. So he's out, you know. Uh, you know, Brown obviously A B lasted one game with the with the Patriots. So New England's recent track record of rehabbing troubled players or players who are, are trying to uh, you know rehab their career on the field not that great. But we'll wait and see. I mean, that's why this is great because you never know which way the Patriots are going to be leaning and how they're going to handle this. Um, Ian, let's let's talk about your people for just a moment. Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh mm-hmm. called rumors of him going back to the NFL total crap. His words, not mine. Um, Ian, as a Wolverines fan, do you believe Jim's strong stance here? Uh, he has to say this, right? I mean, he, he cannot uh, let recruits or other coaches uh, negative recruit against him saying, hey, don't go to Michigan. Harbaugh's going to go to the NFL. I, you know, I, I might have blinders on. I don't think he's leaving. And certainly if, he, if Harbaugh were to leave Michigan, it would be because it was his decision. I don't think Michigan's uh, looking to, to make a change there or fire him uh, anytime soon. But, you know, does he want to leave Michigan to coach, say, the Washington Redskins? I mean, maybe Dan Snyder throws a bunch of money at him, but is that really a better situation? And, you know, th- this season is disappointing for Michigan so far, but I, I think it, it's still to be determined how successful this season is. No, they're not going to win the Big Ten. They're probably not going to beat uh, Ohio State. You know, maybe they don't go to a New Year's Six uh, bowl game. Uh, but I, I still think there's a chance, you know, to, to build upon uh, what happened in the second half against Penn State. Build an offense. Uh, he's got a, a solid defense there with Don Brown. It'll be uh, his fifth season. Uh, he, even though the success, the huge wins have not been there, I still think he's building uh, a successful program there at Michigan, and he's got it great. Uh, who's got it better than us, as he likes to say? And in terms of uh, Michigan's job, nobody. So, who again, uh, it, does he want to leave and coach the Washington Redskins or the Atlanta Falcons or, or somebody like that or, or stay at a really good situation for him at Michigan? Yeah, it's, you know, yeah, I mean, I, you got to wonder, though, man, if Michigan, I mean, how frustrated he is he going to get if, if the fans still work him over? Because, as Augie said, he's getting nine wins. It's like, what program wouldn't want nine wins? But we talked about this before. Um, you know, Harbaugh wasn't Harbaugh was not hired for that. He was hired to uh, to win Big Ten championships, uh, make the college football playoffs, and maybe uh, win a national championship. So, uh, you know, whether it's going to be, I don't think Michigan will, will will blow Harbaugh out. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Jim's going to have to leave on his own. But we'll wait and see. Uh, all right, we'll stick up with your people. Uh, defensive back Quandre Diggs traded by your Lions to Seattle. The Lions also give up a seventh-round draft pick while receiving a fifth-rounder from the Hawks. So, Ian, uh, this move floored Diggs' teammates. And it looks like Detroit gave away one of their more consistent D-backs for next to nothing. So what's Detroit's reason for cutting ties with Diggs? Uh, this was a shocking move, as you said, uh, very unpopular with his teammates. Uh, Darius Slay, Tracy Walker uh, were pretty outspoken, even on social media, about this move. Quandry Diggs, also a very popular fan, uh, player with Lions fans. So, yeah, th- this was a very surprising move. But 
you know, in, in reading and talking with some of the people uh, who cover the team, there were some very solid football reasons uh, to move Quandre Diggs to make this move now. His game ha- has declined. He's not having as good a season as he's had the past two years. Uh, his tackles uh, are way down. He's made several coverage errors uh, uh, in this uh, early part of the season, and uh, his salary is going to go up uh, significantly uh, next season. They already have, the Lions already have a replacement on hand uh, in Will Harris, uh, a third-round draft pick for them this year. Uh, the fact that they drafted Harris, I think, tips to uh, the Lions thinking they were going to make this move eventually. I do wonder if uh, General Manager Bob Quinn decided to make this move now after the Lions lost their last two games, you know, losing a, 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 a tough one uh, against Green Bay and then getting their uh, doors blown off uh, against the Vikings. Uh, had the Lions won those two games, would Bob Quinn have made this move during the season? Maybe not, but uh, the, the Lions do not look like a playoff team now. They arguably did three uh, weeks ago, but I think uh, this is a move that I would have expected the Lions to make uh, after the season. But I think uh, they they believe, hey, uh, Seattle made an offer. They have Will Harris ready to step in, just make the change, uh, and you just hope that uh, Bob Quinn hasn't lost uh, the locker room for uh, Coach Matt Patricia. Boy, just like that, right, Ian? I mean, the, the Lions were looking pretty good, uh, as you said, just a few weeks back. I, is that any sign whatsoever that maybe they're giving up on the season by making that type of move? I think so. To me, that looked like a, a white flag move, much like when they traded Golden Tate before the trade deadline uh, last season. I, I mean, the situations aren't exactly the same. Uh, they didn't think they could re-sign Golden Tate uh, once he became a free agent. But uh, again, yeah, I, th- I certainly think Bob Quinn said, okay, we're not going to make the playoffs, so what are some deals uh, we can make? And uh, didn't really get a lot for Quandre Diggs, but uh, they they got something uh, in return. But most importantly, they moved his salary uh, off their cap. Uh, you know, he was set to uh, triple his salary, I believe, uh, next season with the extension that he had signed. Uh, so now that's no longer a worry for the Lions. Um, Ian Castleberry joining the Wise Guys NFL Gold Nuggets feature presented by David Creaseman and his great staff at D.C. Creaseman Jewelers. Um, I talked about this with Chris Womack in um, hour number one, but want to get your thoughts. Mike Freeman of Bleacher Report said as many as 10 teams are interested in trading for Cam Newton. All right, Ian, a trade seems unlikely for the Panthers, especially financially, where Carolina would be stuck with that $11 million in dead money, but in what scenario could you see Carolina pulling the trigger on Cam? Yeah, it depends what's going to be offered in return. You know, if a first round pick is in play, maybe that's something uh, that the the Panthers think uh, they have to do. There are places they could trade him. Uh, you know, Tennessee uh, is going to need a quarterback uh, probably. Uh, uh, Tampa Bay. You know, if they move on uh, from Jameis Winston. Uh, one team I'll mention. I don't think this is going to happen, especially because I don't think they have the resources to make this deal. But we were talking about a team earlier in this segment that might be uh, making a quarterback change next season if Tom Brady decides he doesn't want to play anymore. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Oh, my God. Oh, Lord. Playing for the New England Patriots. Look at you opening that up, man. That's rumor mill stuff right there. Holy cow. (laughs) Um, Well, you know what? But here's the problem with New England. They're so cheap, right? 
Um, I, I can't imagine the uh, the Patriots uh, giving being able, yeah, to give it a whole, give a whole lot back uh, in return for for Cam Newton. But the fact that we're even talking about this, I mean, it was one thing, and we've talked about this a lot with Kyle Allen rolling the way he is, and and keep doing that. Who knows? He's probably going to be facing outside of Houston the best defense, probably right. I'll I'll put the Niners ahead of Houston, the best defense that he's faced this season uh, for Kyle Allen. So this is a big challenge for Kyle Allen. But, Ian, do you think Kyle Allen, if he tanks, is it over for him if Cam is ready to go? Or do you think the Panthers may give him another shot? As you pointed out, the 49ers defense is excellent. They're number two overall in the NFL, number one against the pass. So this is going to be a a really tough test for for Kyle Allen. Uh, How he performs may determine whether uh, he hangs on to his job. Uh, I don't think it would be fair necessarily to judge Allen uh, on how he performs against the Niners. But, you know, we're, we're talking fair and unfair. You know, if you're of the belief that a player shouldn't lose his job uh, to injury, you know, what's fair in terms of uh, Cam Newton getting his job back? But that decision becomes much easier for Ron Rivera uh, if Cam Newton has had, you know, a couple of weeks of practice and Allen didn't perform too well against the 49ers, I still think ultimately uh, Cam Newton's uh, the better choice at quarterback if healthy, and that has to be underlined, if healthy. Kyle Allen, uh, you know, his statistics haven't been uh, terribly impressive. Of course, 4-0 and uh, is very impressive, but his completion percentage isn't great. Uh, he's turned the ball over with fumbles uh, quite a bit. Are the Panthers better with Cam Newton at quarterback? I will argue that, yes, they still are. I would argue that right now they're not. And I, I'll just say 0-8 uh, You know, in his last eight games. That's a struggle. My big question, though, Ian, and, and this is one we'll, we'll get an answer down the road if Cam does take his job back. You know what happens if Cam is slumping his first two or three games back? What if Cam hasn't found it? That's going to be another decision that's going to have to be made uh, by Ron Rivera and and the team because it just seems like this team's playing with more confidence with Kyle Allen uh, at quarterback. We will wait and see. Cam is loved in the building. Cam's a great guy. I mean, Cam is you know I mean God he's he he is a fan's dream. He's a super dude, but at the same time. It's just, it has 0 and 8. I mean, 0 and 8. People are like, he deserves to get his job back. I'm like, I'm just not ready to go there yet if Kyle Allen is showing uh, that he, he can he can carry this team. We'll wait and see. But uh, these are questions that we'll have answers to coming up real soon. Uh, Ian, any other Week 8 storylines that we're missing that you want to uh, fill us in on this week? I think uh, one Week 8 game that's going to be very important uh, is Eagles at Bills. Uh, you could argue this is a must-win for the Eagles after their rather shocking loss, a blowout loss uh, to the Cowboys mm. uh, last Sunday night. If they're going to stay uh, in the NFC East playoff race, they got to win this game. And meanwhile, the Bills at 5-1, and one, should we still be asking if uh, they're for real six games, seven games uh, into the season? That defense is really good. Third in the NFL, uh, fourth uh, against the pass. So uh, I think uh, that could be, besides uh, Panthers at 49ers, I think Eagles at Bills uh, is the big uh, matchup to watch. And I think we have to look at Atlanta uh, against uh, the Seahawks. Uh, will this be Dan Quinn's last game as Falcons head coach? Oh, against you know, if his they former team. The Seahawks, yeah. If they lose to his former team, the Seahawks, the Falcons have a bye uh, in Week 9. That is uh, an ideal time to make a coaching change uh, if one uh, is interested. But, you know, part of the reason to make a, a midseason coaching change is that you think the season can be salvaged with an interim coach. I, I think the Falcons uh, are beyond that. 
And, uh, you know, we might be seeing, you know, the Falcons already traded uh, Mohamed Sanu at the trade deadline. You know, could we see them also move, uh, you know, maybe a Vic Beasley or, or uh, other pieces Ooh. if uh, the Falcons have decided that they are uh, – no longer in the playoff race here. Boy, that's a great, that's forgot about that. Yeah, man, that's what happens when I'm like completely tuned out on vacation. But yeah, Sanu, I thought that was a great pickup, uh, for the Patriots. And the Falcons just, I think Stan would back us up on this. Uh, the Falcons just look like they're, they're not interested. They just look like they're not playing with any type of urgency whatsoever. And, Shoot brought up a really good point. He brought this up way, way back when he started coming on the show and, and he started, he's talked about it from time to time that, you know, you spend all this big money on your quarterback like Matt Ryan, who they re-upped a couple of years ago at insane money. And then Julio Jones just got his payday and Shoop's question has always been, what about the rest of the players? Like, you know, you're going to get what you pay yeah. for, and you're going to pay for the best wide receiver in the game, and you're going to pay for one of the better quarterbacks in the game, but there's not a whole lot of money left for the rest of, of the team, and, and that's where it can kind of come back. That's why Shoop says you get a quarterback, like you draft a rookie quarterback, you got to win a Super Bowl by year five, by the end of that rookie contract, because otherwise you're going to have to pay him a ton of money, and uh, who's to say that that's going to be a good investment at that point in their career? It's It's... I tell you, you wouldn't want to be these general managers that have to deal with that. But um, before we let you go, Ian, we're going to have you back here later in the hour. But Thursday night football tonight, uh, the Redskins at the Vikings. I'm assuming your pick's Washington, but feel free to surprise us all. <laughs> I believe the Vikings, uh, last time I looked, uh, they were feared by 14 uh, and a half. So, I mean, betting-wise, you would almost think you got to take the Redskins there. But the Vikings <laughs> have been playing great. You know, they've played, a, a, they've won three in a row. I mean, you know, they kicked the crap out of the Lions last week. Uh, no Adam Thielen for Minnesota, but I think that just means Dalvin Cook is going to get the ball mm. more. And he's uh, 725 rushing yards. He's playing great. Also, that sets up the Vikings play-action game, which was absolutely lethal against the Lions. Uh, Kirk Cousins doing those play-action fakes and throwing down the field to uh, Stephon Diggs. Plus, Kirk Cousins probably wants to destroy the Washington Redskins, right. uh, having played for them six seasons, uh, you know, going back and forth with them uh, on a long-term contract and them franchising him so he couldn't test free agency. Uh, I would be I would be really surprised if this is not a blowout win uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. I'll be right. honest with you, I don't see what I don't see why Kirk Cousins. I mean, yeah, it's his former team, and yeah, they 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 uh, franchised him for two years, but. The dude would. The dude made close to fifty million dollars in those two years. It's not like usually athletes get upset because like I wasn't respected. You weren't paying me enough. It's like in my opinion, and it still holds true. Kirk Cousins has been overpaid for the last four years, um, but it's not. He hasn't been overpaid the last few weeks. And I mean, I'm really impressed by how Minnesota has turned it around because that was turmoil two weeks ago in Minneapolis, and I'm starting to wonder if Mike Zimmer's backed off the uh, the offensive coordinator and just say, you guys do what you need to do. Because it just seems like Zimmer, who's a defensive guru, was getting too much involved and putting opining too much on the offense. Maybe he's backed away a little bit. I think so, and I think they just needed to. Uh, Kirk Cousins, you know, he, he practically apologized to his teammates, you know, for not throwing the ball down the field. Uh, that was one reason why Stephon Diggs was so upset. And I, I think you're right. I, I think uh, Zimmer backing off, 
and, and that led uh, uh, the Vikings offense and Cousins say, okay, let's not try to control the ball and control the clock. Let's chuck this thing down the field. We have the talent to do so. Let's put some points on the board, and they are definitely doing that. No doubt. All right, Ian, uh, you're working a double shift today, so um, take about, oh, about 15 minutes off. All right, yeah, All right. I'll sit in the corner and, you know, uh, <laughs> put a little ice on uh, Swish around a little water, I'll be ready. Yeah, man, it's halftime. We'll make some adjustments and come back and talk baseball managerial hires. Okay, I can't wait. All right, thanks. Hey, man, me too. Appreciate you, as always. Ian Castleberry, fabulous. Uh, NFL Gold Nuggets feature with Ian, presented by David Creaseman and D.C. Creaseman Jewelers. Ian, this just came down. It looks like uh, Houston Astros assistant general manager uh, Brandon Taubman has been fired by the team. Um, this, of course, following a Sports Illustrated report Monday uh, that after the Astros eliminated the Yankees in the ALCS, Taubman re- yelled repeatedly towards a group of female reporters in the team's clubhouse, one who, by the way, was wearing a uh, purple domestic violence awareness bracelet. So let that sink in. He looks, he looks at these um, group of female reporters and repeatedly says, repeatedly says, thank God we got Osuna. I'm so effing glad we got Osuna. The Asheville, or rather Astros criticized for their acquisition of, um, Roberto Asuna, he served a 75-game suspension for violation of the uh, league's domestic violence policy. That's the longest suspension ever for that type of um, of issue. Ian Castleberry, this was uh, probably not much of a surprise, but shame on the Astros for initially backing this guy and, and actually calling Sports Illustrated report misleading and completely irresponsible. Yeah, Brandon Tubman absolutely had to be fired. I mean, this was a completely unprovoked, uh, extremely hostile outburst toward three female reporters, one of which, as you pointed out, has been quite outspoken about uh, domestic violence and particularly critical of the Astros for trading for Roberto Osuna uh, uh, in light of those uh, domestic violence charges in the first place. Uh, th- you know, this incident didn't take place near Roberto Osuna's locker. Tobman wasn't asked anything about Roberto Osuna. He argued that he was uh, supportive of Osuna because he had given up a home run uh, in that the game six uh, against the Yankees. But clearly, uh, this was just an extremely hostile outburst uh, directed toward uh, those reporters. And the Houston Astros, the statement they issued is finally, they finally got it right. It took them about a week, uh, yeah. but they finally got it right. Admitted they were wrong. Uh, apologized for uh, questioning Stephanie Epstein's work for Sports Illustrated. Yeah, to call it misleading and completely irresponsible. I mean, I'm, I'm tired of this crap. These are professional journalists, okay? It's not irresponsible. Uh, I, I just, I just get tired of this bashing of the media. I've worked in this world for the better part of 25 years. I've worked with great people who care about the work that they do. And I'm getting tired of this attitude of like, well, it's misleading, completely irresponsible. Cause there's a lot of people out there that'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's the media for you. And, you know, thank goodness, at least Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball wasn't helping out in the beginning either. But I think once Rob Manfred, the commissioner started getting more information on this, he got, he put a lot of pressure on Houston and said, you need to straighten this out and make it right now. And uh, the Astros did that. So, you know what? I'm, I, I'm effing glad we got rid of that guy too. 
And that's just that's just completely. I, I hope Brandon Taubman's parents uh, are real proud of him right now because um, that attitude, oh, man. man, that attitude, and I have no patience for that anymore. Um, so good for the Astros to finally get it right, Ian, as, as you said. But did the Phillies? Yeah, I don't think this oh, is done. Uh, real quick, I don't think the Astros are done here either because this is uh, one of several incidents they've had uh, against the media this year. You remember they banned the Detroit Free Press reporter from the clubhouse uh, earlier this season. Uh, they also band a, a reporter from the Houston Chronicle uh, from covering the team. So I think Major League Baseball is going to have more to say with the Houston Astros and the environment they create yeah. for media covering the team. Yeah, that's a great point. The Astros forget, just like not even a decade ago, they're the worst team in Major League Baseball. Now that they're the best, they, they yeah, the attitude is coming with it for sure. All right, so good move. Firing Brandon Taubman by Houston. Good move. Uh, Philadelphia hiring Joe Girardi as their new manager. Absolutely. Uh, Girardi was arguably the, the best manager uh, available. Uh, I wonder if uh, the Cubs will end up regretting not hiring him. Uh, we'll see. But uh, I think uh, especially it was important for the Phillies uh, to hire an experienced manager uh, after moving on from Gabe Kapler. Uh, Kapler had some managing experience uh, at the Class A level managing uh, the Red Sox farm team. But Girardi's experience, uh, 10 years with the Yankees, uh, has a World Series championship. Phillies owner John Middleton has said he wants the Phillies to be the Yankees of the National League. So what better way to do that than yeah. to hire uh, a former Yankees manager, a guy who won a World Series in the Bronx? Wow. Now if you can just you know get Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig uh, to come back, maybe they will be. Because <laughs> that's, that's probably what it may take. Although, um, you know, maybe Harper will, will benefit under uh, Girardi's leadership. Uh, we will wait and see. Uh, Ian Castleberry with the Wise Guys. I want to hold the hiring. Uh, that the Padres made, uh, with the, uh, the, uh, the farm, I guess the scouting director of the, the, uh, Texas Rangers, cause I find this fascinating that once again, they seem to be going with someone with very little managerial experience. Um, but I, I want to give you time to get more into that. So let's hold on to that till Monday, Ian. But I wanted to get in, uh, Joe Girardi and, and of course, this breaking news that uh, the Astros, uh, fire assistant general manager Brandon Taubman. Glad they got rid of him. And as you said, maybe more work needs to be done in that front office. God, what is wrong with some people, Ian? Uh, for sure. <laughs> hey, buddy, not you. I appreciate you uh, stepping back in once again to do double duty. Uh, we'll catch up with you as always on Monday, my friend. Uh, my pleasure. All right. Thanks so much, Pat. Welcome back. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it. Okay, that's the podcast. Less of one than originally intended, but we'll call it an episode nonetheless. We already mentioned all the places you can find us on social media at the podcast, along with our email, thepodcast at gmail.com. The podcast inbox is a bit cobwebby, which is fine for Halloween season, but it could use some life. Next time out, we'll get into the first two episodes of HBO's Watchmen, since I wasn't able to get to the first one this time around. Lots to unpack there already. And we'll review Bruce Springsteen's Western Stars. Just for you, Rob. No, we're Springsteen fans here. Not diehards, but most definitely fans. There might be some other stuff we talk about, too, like the movies Black and Blue or The Lighthouse, depending on what I can see this weekend. I'm also excited about HBO's Mrs. Fletcher. TV from Tom Parada novels is never a bad way to go, HBO. It worked for The Leftovers. Hopefully it works with Mrs. Fletcher. Until then, may you find something you enjoy this weekend, preferably with someone you enjoy, and spend all the time you need with it. Maybe more than you need. It's the weekend. <laughs>